So yeah, StreamYard is really, really good. Um, I recommend it for anybody. But I paid twenty five. Um, so I don't know if that's in people's budgets. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many odds and ends and things you can pay for, and they're all so many of them are worth it. It's just a matter of like how many of them are you going to do, and which ones are the right. most important. <laughs> right. Yeah, because you don't want to end up looking at your subscriptions and then. All this money coming out, and you're like, "Oh wait, I gotta delete something." <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure there's even a service you can pay for that helps you like keep track of all your subscriptions so that you can cancel the ones you don't need. <laughs> oh yeah, whoever got that, they gonna be, they should be a millionaire right now because that app will save lives. <laughs> you can get a sub, you can pay for a monthly subscription to that one too. Oh really? Oh, yeah. I hope it's like five dollars or something, right? Or- <laughs> Cause like Jesus, I don't want to pay like thirty bucks just to be told like, oh, you got too many subscriptions. You should like fix that. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. <laughs> well, let's introduce you. Um, yeah, let's do is, it. This is my high school friend right here. I haven't seen him in a minute. I saw him on Facebook climbing mountains and stuff, and he sent me a podcast of him telling his story. And he's a life coach now. Jake Yoder is in the building. Good to see you again, brother. It's good to see you too, Jamar. It's been a hot minute. You're looking good, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You too, man. You too. And uh, we have our other guest, Sheba. Uh, she's going to join us around um, 8 o'clock. I don't know how much time you have, but if I have to break this into two parts, then that will also be fine as well, too. Um, I, don't I got time. Up your time. Okay. No, it's cool. I got time. Yeah. So, Jake, good. tell them your story. Let's start off with the stories first, because first, this podcast is just to reach out um, about recovery and also about um, uh, addiction and, and and rehabilitation, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I come from a family who has had, unfortunately, I'm well, fortunately, I um, do not have that that type of, because uh, I had to, I, I had to literally teach myself years ago that addiction is a disease, and mm-hmm. I hate it my father, um, who I love dearly now because he, uh, was alcoholic and, mm-hmm. and, um, I, I saw his journey and, uh, hated how he treated me, but now he's such a better person. And mm-hmm. I had to learn that not everyone can, can do that. You know, like I, I, I do smoke weed recreationally, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not really like, uh, alcoholic or anything like that. And I'm, I'm happy that I didn't get that from him, but seeing his journey made me so much more forgiving of everything that we went through and to love him so much more but i digress i can talk about that later like just want to hear your story first and we go into this yeah. conversation <laughs> yeah yeah no it definitely it goes deep it goes deep i appreciate you sharing that and yeah it sounds like you got quite a story yourself and i'm really glad to hear about you know it sounds like your dad you know has has had a recovery path in his life and really glad to hear that. And yeah, you know, I mean, I always say like, I'm not anti, I'm not anti marijuana, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. not even, I'm not even like anti alcohol, so to speak. I'm just anti addiction. You know what I mean? Like everybody has their own truth, their own balance, what works for them. Some of us, myself, definitely included, just cannot do any mind altering substances in moderation beyond a certain strength like we could you know i'm I'm sitting here with like a cup of chai tea 
that has right. caffeine in it, which is a psychoactive mm-hmm. substance, which I love. And I have feel no need to quit that one. <laughs> <laughs> At least not right now. But pretty much any other psychoactive or um, mind-altering substance for me. <laughs> Oops, sorry. <laughs> uh, no worries. Pretty much any other like mind-altering substance for me is and for anybody that experiences the same kind of addictive personality or addictive tendency, uh, it's just not going to work because there's no way to do it and be satisfied with a balance of, uh, of a moderate amount. Um, the only effect that mind altering substances have for me is that if I use them, it creates an, uh, an extreme sort of attachment and an extreme craving and, just generally a feeling of like wanting to use it as a part of my lifestyle, not just as like an occasional thing. So, you know, that's always been the case for me. But like when I, when my journey started with addiction, I didn't, I just had no awareness that like I even had an addiction. I didn't see it that way. I, you know, I got exposed to, uh, to pot when I was 14 I found my way to it pretty quickly. Like, you know, my older sister was hanging out with the boyfriend she had that was older than her. And it was like, you know, the older kids were really cool. Right. And, and they were good people and they are good people. And they were, you know, smoking pot. And I was, uh, you know, looking up to that and I tried it out and I loved it. I loved it. I wanted a lot of it. <laughs> as soon as I did it, I remember within a week I had got gone got picked up at in bulk and I was you know picked a big bag and I had already started to figure out if you catch my drift the ways of you know <clears throat> getting things working so that I wouldn't have to pay for any of it. <clears throat> so you know, which I, I kind of say jokingly, like my entrepreneurial journey started. <laughs> I was like, I started my first <laughs> business when I was 14. Damn it. <laughs> Word. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, I just you, can't you, put you it on my resume. Choir, man. I had people my age. I had people that age when we were that age, you know, just doing what they got to do and selling whatever they got to sell, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you know, I I don't I don't put that one on my resume. But anyways, you know, <laughs> and I joke about it, and I think it's good to joke about it a little bit. But you know, like in all seriousness, where that where that led me is, you know, I was smoking weed every day, and I was quite honestly heavily using it. Um, you know, usually I would smoke in the mornings a lot of times before school, smoke in the in the afternoon. Um, sometimes I would leave school at lunch and go smoke weed in the woods behind the high school. And then I would come home and use it again and use it before bed. You know, I got into a pattern where I just didn't see any consequences from it. I was still doing well in school. I was having a good time. And, you know, that's, I like to touch on that part of the story. Cause like, you know, addiction has a uh, a slippery slope to it and it usually starts out great <laughs> that's why people fall into it you know it starts out great and then it you know progresses and for me like 
got to a point, you know, I was basically high for six years and like without getting too into the nitty gritty, you know, I was, I was smoking weed most days for six years. And I started to realize partway through college that, you know, maybe I'm doing too much of this, you know, like maybe I'm spending too much of my time in this altered state of consciousness. And what would life be like otherwise? Like, who am I even? Who am I without it? So I got curious about that. I started to try to like limit myself to the weekends and, you know, I messed around with it a little bit, but it was also this party phase in college and, and it led to other things. I experimented with psychedelics. I experimented with some other substances that I thought I would never do. And I found myself in an environment where there was just, there's a lot of, um, like the culture was just one of drug use and party kind of vibe. Right. So yeah, like I said, I was still doing well in the other areas of my life. So I didn't see such an issue, but it turns out, and I only found this out in once I got into recovery that I was also postponing a lot of personal and emotional growth, you know, things like learning how to feel your feelings, like learning how to feel the not so good stuff. Some sober people can't even like get that together, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 And it's important because, you know, like it gets, it allows you to heal when you can actually face things. But I didn't really have those coping mechanisms. I was just, you know, and, (laughs) and I was oblivious to the fact that I even had any negative feelings. Right. Cause I was like happy all the time. Cause you know, I could always, yeah, I was, I always had something to look forward to, you know, I always had an upper when I needed an upper downer when I needed a downer. And so, you know, it's a control thing. Addiction is about control. You get to control how you feel, right? You get to control how you feel. What you don't get good at is accepting life as uh, they say life on life's terms. Mm. And that has a lot of problems to it. You know, for me, I, I slowly progressed into doing some stuff, finding myself around people that I never thought I would be around. Like some really close friends had segued into, you know, using needles and using heroin and Thank God, man, I just knew that I didn't want to do that. And the fact that it was happening around me was a wake-up call. And and the other thing I did was I finally, you know, I kept, I kept saying, like, I was doing well in the other areas of my life. Well, finally, I tanked a semester. I finally, you know, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on her here, but I... Oh, no, I've, you say whatever you want. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I, you know, I finally effed up, and I and mm-hmm. I... And I failed a class mm. and um, it was like, okay, you know, I had at that point been trying to use harder, like I had been trying to use like ADHD medications like Adderall to help me study, to handle the workload in school, mm-hmm. but they didn't make me study well. They made me want to go party they made me want to use other drugs. They basically stimulated me and made me want to just go have fun. So it just it just backfired. Wow. 
Uh-huh. And then a couple of other more gnarly things happened. Like I was still I was still dealing. I was still like you know, doing that whole thing and some people I guess had some not so good people had found out where I lived and and they came and tried to attack me physically and and steal uh you know what i had and i'm not about that like i was i'm not a violent person and i found myself in a situation that involved violence and it and it was directly related to the fact that you know i was in it practicing an illegal trade you know so Mm -hmm. um and that happened the crazy thing is that that happened so people came into my apartment and the next day I was at a party and the same thing happened, but with other, with different people. So there were two days in a row that there were attempts to rob me. And both times I was actually physically attacked by three people. And this was on two separate occasions and two completely different groups of people. That's wild. So that was one of my wake up calls. Like I just, if I just got attacked by three people on two separate unrelated occasions in a time span of two days, what, what, what's going on here? You know, when did my life become a life where something like that would happen? I'm just a, I'm just a nice kid from the suburbs. You know, weed was all about peace and love and sharing and, and I, and I was this, you know, one day I woke up and I was like, it's not, that's not what's happening anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, that's hey. not what's. <laughs> yeah. Coming for me. What the yeah. yeah. That is scary, bro. Scary. Yeah. And like, you know, it was so easy to like just see it as it's all good before things like that started happening. And it, but it wasn't all good, man. And I, and I, and also it's like, so what, you know, if I was getting A's and B's in school, like, Still, there was this feeling of like, well, what the, what am I capable of then Mm. without it? Like, Mm. what am I, so what if I'm doing decently well? Like, what am I capable of without it? And how will I ever know? And so I started to get this creeping feeling like, oh my God, I'm, I'm never going to know what I'm truly capable of. And I might end up being, you know, 70 years old and only living up to, who knows what percent of my potential and that scared the shit out of me. I didn't want that. So at 19 years old. Yeah. Right. So that, I mean, that was, that was it, man. At 19 years old, I decided to get clean and sober and, and I had some very lucky, had some good influences on me around me that, that, uh, you know, there was a family friend who had been in recovery had done the same thing I was doing, but for a long time. And he, and he said, Jake, I'm you, man. You know, he was like, I'm the same as you, but I did what you're doing for another 30 years and you don't have to do that. And something about that just really stuck with me. You know, it was like, he already walked that path. Don't repeat it, you know? So uh, he said, go to a meeting. And I, and then that's when I entered my recovery and, and I did get clean. I went to a 12 step environment. I went to Narcotics Anonymous and that helped me get clean at the beginning. So that was the start of recovery for me. Wow. 
Wow, amazing. You know, and I remember I remember seeing you in high school just real quick and like you were like one of the most coolest people I ever met. Like you're awesome. oh man thank you you that's the one thing i gotta like i always tell these kids whenever i talk to a kid you don't know what anybody's going you don't Mm -hmm. know you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be out here judging people because you don't know what they're going and like what i saw in you was like i couldn't even tell but then again you know i was a very sheltered kid so i didn't know i didn't even know anything about marijuana until after i graduated uh, high school and started going to college, you know, that's when mm-hmm. I really started, you know, like, oh, maybe I should try a little bit, but I didn't know, Jake, and I'm so glad that you are here, that's such a journey, and now, and now look at you, you're saving lives, <laughs> you know, you, Thanks. You, you got, you are, you have a story now, you're saving lives, bro, that's, that's amazing, Thanks. And, uh, I wanted to ask, you heard about what happened with DMX? I heard, um, I haven't actually had time to catch up on the details of the full story, but I, I, I know that he's, he's no longer with us. Yeah. It looks like, uh, he, he, he was, he had a uh, heart attacks. Um, he, he OD'd and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately mm-hmm. he's no longer with us. And, um, it, that happened, uh, last week, I believe. And I was thinking, I was like, wow, like, and, 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 you know, throughout the years, he always talked about his struggle and how he tried to stop. And and um, I, I, it comes to mind of thinking about friends that I have lost. And part of me wish that with the friends that I have lost, I was there. I wish that, I don't know if I should be thinking this way, but sometimes I would think, like, I should have done something. I what could I have done to help that person? You know? And I don't know. I, I really don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a really tricky road to go down, you know. I mean I think it's natural to think that way. I also think that, you know, to an extent there's really nothing you you can do to make the difference between recovery and addiction for someone. It's it's really over there with them. And you can you can be a positive force, you can be a an influence, but you already are, you know, you already are. And if, if somebody was looking for that, then they would gravitate towards it. And if they're not looking for that yet, then there's really nothing you can do. It's very difficult to force recovery. Right. I mean, you can you can put people in prison. Yeah. I have seen I have yeah. seen people I have seen people come out of prison and mm. express in a, in a 12 step meeting environment in, in a rehab environment. Mm-hmm. I've seen people come out of prison and express that they don't think they could have ever recovered unless it was forced like that. I've seen it. I've seen that work, so to speak, mm. but you know, that's a, that's a, you know, very extreme cases and, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, the the way I I don't know I, I don't know um, the way they treat the way they treat are people that have addiction. It's like I feel like they could do so much better. You know, um, like you see in other countries like Denmark or is it Norway where they they basically like legalize. Was it Norway? Oh, whoever sees this, correct me. 
but they basically legalized all drugs and now they have better programs to help people out. Yeah. Criminalization is what makes it worse, but you know, it's like, how can we do that here in America instead of just throwing everybody in jail? Oh yes. And I think the, the harm reduction, uh, the harm reduction, you know, conversation, the harm reduction movement is a huge piece of that. I think that's, yeah where we should look for the answers to how to deal with addiction on a large scale more effectively. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's about reducing the harm of addiction in, in every way that we can. And I think that does trend towards from a policy standpoint, based on what other countries have done and based on experience I think that does trend towards uh, legalization, right. uh, and I think it trends towards, no, you know, not uh, not relying on a system of incarceration that doesn't involve incorporate rehabilitation uh, effectively. Uh, but you know, I haven't been through that journey personally myself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, ha- I haven't been to prison and I didn't go to a formal rehab, but, um, you know, I've, I've seen results from a lot of people that have been through more of an institutionalized path of prison and, and rehab. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed is I think that even if, even if you sort of force recovery, right, if you put someone in prison and, and they have to go to prison and then they have to legally, they're mandated to go to a rehab or something like that there still has to be a decision made on the, on the, on the behalf of the individual. There still has to be a decision made within themselves that they want to recover at some point along that journey. It might happen slowly or they might have a sudden realization, but at some point that individual has to decide within themselves that they want to recover for it to work. If they don't do that, you can force whatever you want. As soon as it's over, as soon as the, you know, as soon as they're out, it's, it's going to be right back, back to the same patterns. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I totally agree. Um, just reminiscing, thinking about my dad, like he, he made a decision, you know, he had, mm-hmm. he literally said that, you know, what, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this. I got to change. I have to do this for my kids, for my family. And mm-hmm. that, that made him just become such a most one of the most awesome men on this planet that I have the pleasure of knowing now, and I'm just, and I, I see it. It's like it, you have to make this decision. It's mm-hmm. it's for you. It's self care. It's for mm-hmm. you, for the recovery process. Like uh, on your experience, what was it like uh, when you were trying to when you first started? My recovery journey. Yeah. Yeah. So. So for me, I I feel lucky. Mm -hmm. I did not have a physical dependency to any, uh, any substance in an extreme way. At that point, I do think there's physical withdrawal from cannabis. Definitely there, there's physical withdrawal from cannabis. And, and I was psychologically dependent on, you know, uh, just sort of using different substances regularly, cannabis, tobacco, 
you know, there was some alcohol in the mix. I had started to use, you know, some prescription pills more that weren't prescribed to me. So, and, uh, and party drugs and stuff like that. So, you know, I think there was a physical effect, but I'm, I'm fortunate in the sense that I did not have a dependency that required me to go and have a medically assisted detox or be in, uh, in, in a formal treatment environment. Uh, so I was able to sort of stay in my own same environment um, and start to change my behaviors and actions and the people around me. And I did that. If the first thing I did was I went to a actually, you know what? Let me back up. The first thing I did. First thing I did was I I understood that I wanted to change. I understood that I wanted to change. That's so important because the change actually starts before the addiction ends. Like you can start to change your habits and your patterns while you're still partly in the addiction. And I highly recommend that you don't wait until, you know, like some magic day when you drop everything and change. I highly recommend that, you know, if you can start to implement some support systems, like you could go to a meeting. The first couple of meetings I went to, I was stoned. You know, I went to meetings high. You're, you're allowed to do that. You know, you're not supposed to talk if you're doing that. You're not supposed to share if you're under the influence, but you can go and you can listen. And the other thing I did was I, I had started to do more of the healthier activities I felt drawn to. I started to go to, uh, you know, like uh, I started to go into the mountains more. I started to do more rock climbing. I started to do more active living habits and and um, uh, got more into exercise. So things like that helped me to pick up momentum that, you know, I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to feel healthy. I started to taste that health a little bit and the vitality of changing some of those patterns first. And it made me uh, not want to smoke. It, it helped me want to change that part also. So my recommendation to anyone would be let the change start before the addiction ends. Take small steps. And then I the, the recovery path for me was... I went to a Narcotics Anonymous meeting, a 12-step meeting. I I asked uh, – I just went and listened and shared for, for a while. Eventually, I asked for a sponsor. And, you know, I didn't actually really work the 12 steps all the way through the first time around. Okay. Where I, I, did, I did about – I did uh, – I worked my way to step three. Okay. And so step three is, so the steps are like the first three steps are really important. The first one is, the first one is admitting that you're powerless over your addiction, which a lot of people don't like the the phrase powerless. I think the first step just means humble yourself and Mm. acknowledge that you're not able to use mind altering substances in moderation. Like you're not in control over this thing. You need help. I think that's that's step one. 
um, admitting we were powerless over our addiction and that our lives had become unmanageable. Like this, this is unmanageable. Like this isn't working. So accepting that as step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So you start to look outside yourself for a solution rather than doing it with your way of thinking. You start to look for a different way of thinking or a, a, a power greater than yourself. It could be a spiritual uh, power or it can be a practical power like the group conscience, a uh, others service outside of yourself, something greater than yourself. Um, it's still, there's a lot of people that think 12 step programs still feel religious. Yeah, I can see that point. I can see why it would feel religious, but you can go and you can do it and not have it be religious for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's to me, I, I view that part of it as there's, there's personal responsibility in the way that you participate in anything and you can still go and get value and participate in your own way. And they even say that this is a spiritual, not religious program. You could, you could pick that apart. You know, it, there's different things work for different people. I got value out of the 12 steps for sure. And I always sort of used my own form of spirituality as I was going through it. So, you know, and then step three is um, uh, we admitted to what's step three. Let's see. So, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And then um, I think step that's step two. And then step three is um, you kind of, you give your will and your life over to the care of that power. So it's kind of a surrendering step three is about surrendering. Um, What was that like for you with surrendering? It was a fucking relief, man. It was like, it was like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to not, I'm going to do things differently now. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to try things a different way. And there was tremendous relief in that. And it was actually exciting. It was like, oh my God, life is not what I thought it was. (laughs) I had this like, life is not what I thought it was. It can be so much more. And now I'm on a journey of way more possibility for what life could be. And we're going so, to get to that. <laughs> yeah. My yeah, my experience honestly was I actually felt really really good in early recovery and I feel lucky for that as well. I felt really free. I felt tremendous relief and I felt very very close to what you, what you could call my higher power or my my own spirituality felt very intensified. I was very present to the the moment, the present moment, this living in the present. And I was very uh like focused on the spiritual connection to the world around me, my relationship with life, my relationship with existence. And the universe, I, I felt it was a very spiritual time. And I, so I was kind of floating, you know, I actually felt very free. And, you know, one thing that I did find was um, 
the 12 step environment wasn't, it wasn't for me where I found like a recovery path that I felt really uh, provided me with like a social life that I loved. You know, I, I met great people there and they were wonderful people, but one, I was the only person who was 19 years old in that environment. You know, there weren't, there weren't any other young people around in those meetings. And I was in, in New Paltz, New York at the time. None of the, none of my college friends were getting sober. <laughs> you know, they weren't, they weren't getting sober at that, at that time. Yeah, that's and, not a thing in college. <laughs> yeah. So, and so, yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't uh, bore you for too much longer here, but I, I, I found that I wasn't really finding uh, like a pre-existing path of recovery that gave me everything I needed. And the realization was I have to create my own path of recovery and find what works for me. So enter the early stages of the natural highs concept, because I started to look for the things that I love to do that could actually add to my life. See, the biggest lie about addiction and recovery, the biggest misconception out there is that it's about giving something up or quitting something. It's not about quitting something. Yes, obviously that's that's a part of it, but the way to accomplish that is is sort of counterintuitive because the way to accomplish the uh, the transcendence of whatever the behavior is, whatever the addiction is, mm-hmm. is not to focus on getting rid of that thing. It's it's a lot more to do with focusing on creating a life that works for you in which well-being is possible and in which the addiction can dissolve but where it's no longer needed you know you 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 create a life where it's no longer needed then you can quit so i mean maybe quitting is a part of it but it's not the first thing you should be focused on. What you should be focused on, in my view, is creating a life in which the addiction can dissolve mm-hmm. and, and a life that can sustain the absence of the addiction. And so I think it's more about adding. And, and I think it makes it easier, too, to walk the path. If you think about what am I going to get? What am I going to gain from this? Not what do I have to give up? You don't want to be just losing something. That would suck. (laughs) And that wouldn't be appealing. (laughs) Why would I do it if I'm just losing something? No, you got to be incentivized. You got to really be gaining something. And for me, I could see some things that I stood to gain from changing my behavior. I knew that I could improve my skills as a climber, as a mountaineer. I knew I could spend more time in the wilderness. I knew I could get stronger physically and mentally. I knew I could. Be, become more fit, achieve greater fitness. And I knew that for me, I was really excited about that because in rock climbing and mountaineering, the stronger you are, the more places you get to go on this amazing earth. That you, It unlocks new possibilities for the experiences you can have, the views you can have, the, mm. the peaks you can climb. So 
I found for myself something that I was extremely excited about pursuing that I could have more of if I wasn't stuck in the addiction. And that got me psyched, you know, and I would go and do it and it would feel great. And so, you know, that's kind of where the, the natural highs method, so to speak, or that concept was born early on in my recovery, just ramping up those things that I love to do. And then, you know, reaching a point where I, I also realized like those things were their own drugs in a way. They're, they were their own addictions, but they're, right. but we think of addiction as a, a, a negative connotation. Yes, we And do. those activities, you can get really excited about them. You can get kind of addicted to them in the sense that you really want to do it more and more and more. <laughs> but the result is that you get stronger, healthier, happier, well-traveled, you know, so sort of taking that addictive tendency and channeling it towards healthy activities can really support somebody with thriving and getting rid of the bad habits as well. So that became a huge part of my recovery. I didn't see that really being practiced or taught anywhere in a formal sense. So later on, I decided to, you know, make that a part of, of my work and, and create that and share that with others. That's absolutely amazing. Let me just tell you that. You literally just, you know, it's so for instance, like I one of my people I love is Karl Marx. And I was like, how the hell he thought of this shit? <laughs> you, you are like literally like an addiction uh specialist called like like Karl Marx's addiction specialist. Like you came up with your own theory. You came up with your and you practice your theory, and your theory is proven to work. That's amazing. Like I can't even fathom that. I'm just like, how did you just think of that? Like you you stopped at the third step program. Uh well, the 12 step program, you stop at number three, and you're just like, all right, enough of that. Here's what I think I need to do. And then you start realizing that this is what you need to do. And then you now you're able to use that to help others. So like so like do you like have clients? Do people like hit you up a lot? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, first I'll start by saying that I, that there was, that the story isn't over. I did end up getting clean for two years and then I decided, you know what? Alcohol was never really my problem. And I started to experiment with that. And for about a year, year and a half, I drank alcohol I didn't do anything else, but I drank alcohol and I s- sort of tried to force myself to only drink in moderation. Mm-hmm. Long story short, I did not want to drink in moderation. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't worth it for me. There's, it wasn't fun to force myself to drink in moderation. There's no point doing that. I would rather keep my head clear or get fucked up the way I drink that the way I want to drink and eat as much as I want. That's, that's just how it is for me. So I got clean again and I did things a little differently. I went back to the 12 step program. I kept on using my own methods that I just had discovered what worked for me, but I also Mm -hmm. opened myself up more, even more than before to another path and other ideas outside myself. I had to get really, really humble 
mm-hmm. and just take suggestions and work a program. And I do suggest that. I do suggest just working a program. I suggest creating your own recovery and also just trying out other things. Take bits and pieces of different resources. So I I got back into a 12-step environment and I got another sponsor. This was years later. And I worked the steps. I'm actually still working the 12 steps with a sponsor right now. I'm actually on step eight. And, and I have four consecutive years now, four years and three months, I think, totally clean and sober again. So that's where I'm at now in the path. And, and yes, um, to answer your question, I, you know, I had I started with a community program doing free trips and events for people in recovery, taking people on hiking trips and doing free workout classes in a local park for people who are in a local treatment center. Nice. Um, and shortly after that, I, start, I started coaching. I developed a program. And uh, so, yes, I work with one-on-one clients now. I have six private clients currently that I'm working with. And, um, you know, I work with people for uh, the program is three months long, three months long. And we work on various elements in a in person's life. It's about pretty much half spiritual and half practical. It's a, mm. it's like half very deep inner work and half uh, goal setting, time management, practical systems to bring what we what we create in ourselves, to bring it out into the world. So. I like to do a balance of both those things. And uh, some clients work with me for longer than three months. They renew again and again. A coaching relationship can go on for um, however long is is natural. How long? So so who's your longest? I'm not who, but like how long do you have like your longest client? Are they like a year or three years with you? Yeah, well, I started doing the coaching program back in September. So um, my client, my first client has been with me since September. So what's that? September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Going on like seven months. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they and they may choose to continue. I, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's amazing. And so... So basically, uh, you already gave me the three the three steps. Can, do you mind giving out the, uh, the the final the final steps after three, real quick? Sure. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I can actually recite them off the top of my head, but I'll try. So, <laughs> well, just yeah. do what you can because there's so much more Here. I would like to ask. <laughs> I'll I'll pull them up. I'll pull them up. Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. We could put them uh, put it in the chat as well too. Oh, I'll put. Oh, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Perfect. You can find them on AA. I think I probably could recite them, but yeah. And everyone yeah. can see it that's watching from Twitter, Yahoo, uh, not Yahoo, Jesus, YouTube, and Facebook. Are we like live, live right now? Yeah, yeah, we're live, live. Yeah. Nice. I don't got that following yet. Where's mad people? But they all see it though. They later on. Get like six hundred views. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So let me pop it in the chat. You said, "Do I? Uh, where's the chat on this? Do I click oh, share?" 
Uh, it should be to your, oh, the comment sections. Should be to your right. Ah, uh, I had to exit. I had to exit full screen. Oh, okay, got it. So don't, so don't do private ch chat. Click comments. Yes, and that's why everyone can see it. Yep. Oh, it's actually not giving me the option to do a comment, so I'm going to pop it in the private chat okay. right now. And uh, oops, looks like it got cut off. I think there might be a. So there's up to step six. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll add that into the. And then let me add, and then I'll add the other ones, and you can share it to the where it's public. And then there's steps nine through nine and ten. I think there's a limit. Oh, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Uh, I think there's a limit to the amount of text. Yeah. But no worries, because I'm going to just break it up. And and then here is step 11 and 12. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, a really quick interpretation from myself would be, you know, you admit that you're powerless, that you need help. Mm -hmm. You turn to something greater than yourself to solve the problem. It doesn't have to be religious or spiritual. It can be spiritual or practical, but a power greater than yourself, something outside yourself. You make a decision to turn your will and your life over to that power. I know it sounds extreme, but like if you're at a certain point, you might just need that level of surrender. You make a decision to turn your will and your life over to the care of God as you understand God to the higher power. Uh, a lot of people like struggle with this. I think that you should just like translate it for yourself in whatever way works for you and then get right. what as much value as possible as you can out of that. I think thinking for yourself is always going to be a really useful skill. Right. So, uh, you know, that's my translation is like turn my will and my life over to to the universe, so to speak. Trust in life. Give it up. Let go and let God. They say it's a letting go thing. It's like mm -hmm. the relief of letting go. So uh, number four was a really good one. Make a searching and fearless moral inventory of yourselves. So you, you kind of list out all the resentments that you have. Mm -hmm. The way that the way that I was taught to do it was list out all the resentments. Mm -hmm. Take a look at the darker it's shadow work. It's you often hear this kind of thing referred to these days as shadow work. You're looking oh, yeah. at the, that's a big pagan thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's a big I mean, you look at look at the darkest parts of yourself and you can learn a lot. Yeah. Um, and also like, you know, it's humbling to admit to admit that there are dark parts of yourself. Because there are. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so admitted. And then number five is, you know, is about uh, admitting all that dark stuff to someone else, your sponsor. You just mm -hmm. admit that to your sponsor. And, you, and then you get to share. Russell Brand has a great video where he gives a translation. 
Yeah, Russell, Br- the Russell Brand video where he translates these 12 steps is so, first of all, it's fucking hilarious. And second of all, it's right on point. It, it's a great interpretation of the 12 steps and it's entertaining to watch. So I highly recommend that. Um, I didn't know that he was the recovering addict. He's in recovery. Yeah. Wow. He speaks a lot on recovery. Yeah. He is awesome. He he does a lot of speaking on recovery, which is really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, you know, he's the last one standing out there. Everybody else that that the pop culture looks up and start cheating. <laughs> That's a whole other subject. Like, oh, he's the last one. They, they call him the last Jedi right now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but that's oh. amazing. That's that's absolutely amazing. Um, I I I gotta say, I never knew that because I sat in a, a, a AA meeting once mm-hmm. just just to get an understanding. Because um, I, I I did outpatient rehab for uh, depression and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and um, they also was part of part of the course of not getting depressed they also were basically making me go to a meetings as well too and i was like like what all right <laughs> so when mm-hmm. i went you know i met a lot of interesting people and uh they they gave me this book there was a lot of coffee oh my god it was like all about the coffee there man like you had so much different kinds of coffee there <laughs> That made me keep going back. I was like, yo, I'm gonna try that hazelnut next week. <laughs> oh my god, man. That's why they do it. That's why they do it. That's so fucking funny. But oh, like I, the way that they like were so like involved with because uh, it was a church, but they had everyone's faith. They were talking about everyone's faith mm-hmm. as part of their testimony and everything, you know? And I never saw that before because I come from a very strict Pentecostal home. So seeing that made me think like, wow, not everybody is out here saying it's only this way. You got to do it this way. (laughs) Do you think, uh, that's actually a two-part question. Do you think that since we have a society in, uh, in a way where we're basically hold what to think is that part of the problem when it comes to trying to recover like we have people outside of our trying to get inside our heads and try to force us to be what we want to be definitely i think i think that i think that dogma can be very harmful any Mm -hmm. any kind of um program or religion or set of beliefs that's pushed on someone without turning a questioning eye towards itself. I think we should, I, my belief, my view is we should be thinking and questioning. I I believe that the most beneficial and the most, the most, uh, sort of uh, free, the most liberated way of living and finding truth is to be 
admitting, first of all, admitting, readily admitting what we don't know. Mm. And then that doesn't mean there isn't a place for faith or trust in life. But in my view, admitting what we don't know um, and and continually questioning anything, like even the, I think that, that thinking for ourselves is the best way that we can be equipped to find balance in our lives and find our truth, find our happiness is through thinking for ourselves. Otherwise, you know, you can look all over the place for different things that work for other people. Right. You get cults and religions popping up all the time that are based on something that works for some people. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we can't just, we can't, have well-being for our communities that way right we have to have people who can think for themselves and find their own truths doesn't mean they can't gather together doesn't mean they can't practice certain traditions doesn't mean they can't have certain beliefs or ideals that they center around but i believe in having an environment where those can be challenged and questioned and analyzed and 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 they can evolve. And furthermore, I believe in having an environment where even if there's a core set of principles like the 12 steps, let's say, people should be encouraged to find their own version of it that works for them. People should be encouraged to like rewrite it, use your own wording, mm. create your own damn program, man. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Like literally finding your own way to divinity, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's so many ways, there's so many ways, even if you don't even believe in that, I think just, I think it's also spiritual, just trying to be a good person as well. Like, even if you don't even believe in religion, I think it's also spiritual trying to be a good person because at the end of the day, like we are always looking to better ourselves and trying to, and trying to survive and that spirituality within itself. I really do feel that. Maybe some people might agree, disagree with me, but I think that just having this, the fight to have a healthy mindset, the fight to to do better and help people, the fight to um, make the right decisions and for people you care about, that's all. It's all spiritual. It, I absolutely agree. Yeah. And how, so when, once you, once you become clean and once you start living the sober life, what are like the struggles, you know, like, like, do you, like, for instance, my friend told me that they had to stop hanging around me and I felt so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a musician, so mm-hmm. there's always going to be drugs and alcohol, even when I don't even bring it, like, I don't even bring it. Mm-hmm. I just go there and play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they just can't even like see me play, you know? And mm-hmm. like, if you could just like, it, like give it, give it, like, even if you give like a long explanation, I don't care. Like what is the struggles of just staying sober, you know, just doing the best for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. You know, 
I'm still experiencing new ones. I'd say, you know, in my recovery journey, you know, four years and three months in with, of consecutive, you know, time with no mind altering substances, like I'm, there's a couple of things happening. I'm getting a lot better at facing certain challenges. Like for example, when I first stopped, you know, nighttime could be really hard because I'm used to smoking weed as a way to wind down. Mm-hmm. I was used to that. And that would be oftentimes the last thing I would do before bed. So as an example, fast forward to now, I don't struggle with that anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't struggle with that at all. I've healed. I have a bedtime routine. I'll go outside and sit on the porch with a cup of chamomile tea. Sometimes I'll meditate. Sometimes I'll read. Sometimes I'll watch Netflix right up until I fall asleep. But no matter what, on any given night, I no longer have a craving to use marijuana or any mind-altering substances. I don't think about that. I don't want to do that. It's not an issue. And I sleep great. So that's an example of something that problems that get solved, things that get easier. So many things get easier. I'll give you an example of something that's that I'm that I've on the other end of the spectrum. New challenges get revealed. New things about yourself get revealed. That the, it's good news that they're getting revealed because they were already there before. The only difference about them getting revealed is that now you're aware of them. And that's the first step to getting to work on them. So for me, I became aware that I have anxiety, that I have pretty, pretty real, pretty serious probably generalized anxiety it's it's not diagnosed yet i'm working with a therapist now but i didn't understand that in my addiction and i didn't even understand that in my early recovery later on in recovery i became aware that i had been medicating anxiety with marijuana it was only after a while in recovery that i realized that wow yeah so how do you Deal with your anxiety now. You know, on on good days, I'm able to use mantras, um, you know, like thought patterns and affirmations that I've created for myself and ingrained in my in my thoughts and my consciousness. Able to use tools like that and tools like meditation. I'm able to use uh, exercise. I'm able to spend time in nature, and I can keep myself in a place of really, really, really wonderful feelings, balance, gratitude, Mm. and well-being on good days. On bad days, my anxiety takes over me, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've got it figured out. Mm. I'm still working on that one. You catch me on a bad day pacing around my house, not able to get out of a thought loop that I'm stuck in. You could catch me, you know, clenched up. Like, so it's a process, but I'm able to learn more and more how to heal from that, how to spend longer periods of time feeling peaceful, and how to get stuck less often because I'm now aware that I have this anxiety pattern and I'm actively searching for ways to grow 
beyond it and get freedom from it. And those are various ways. I mean, I still get some value out of uh, 12-step um, philosophy. I, I do a lot of, uh, I love Ram Das and Eckhart Tolle and their rhetoric about being in the present moment. I study that. Um, I work with a therapist. I work with a coach. And that uh, those are support systems I have for myself. And I have people that love me. I have a, a best friend that, you know, knows about what I deal with. And I know about what he deals with. And we support each other. So those are all support systems I have because I'm aware that I have this problem. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, yeah I, 100% support group and anything is just so important. It's so mm-hmm. important. Like. For instance, the the LGBT for the LGBTQ community, I, uh, me being a member of it, I think that if I didn't have like my friends being there for me when I was going through all that homophobia with my family and stuff like that, and just with people from the church because I was leaving the church, and like if I didn't have those people, I don't know where the hell I would be now. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, mm-hmm. and 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 now my family's confused because now I'm currently dating a girl, but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get what it, 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 it's like. They don't understand. I, 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 it's like, bro, like now y'all want to talk to me? Oh, when when Nikki's, you know, when you and Nikki's free? Oh, wow, now you want to talk to me? <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that sounds like such a like you've had a probably a huge journey there yourself and sounds really really challenging in certain ways i'm glad you were able to find support groups for that and community support yeah chosen family that's what it's all about you know sometimes you just can't rock with all your family you gotta have chosen family yeah it seems like you have a great amount of chosen family as well too like Wow, it's been a while. I'm just looking at you. I can't help it and picturing you when you were younger. I keep right. going back to curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, you know, I was, oh my gosh, an RCA back in those days. Like, you know, RCA was huge for me. It was yeah. huge for me, Jamar. Yeah, me like, too, I, gosh, it was like, it, it gave me confidence. It, it taught me how to like express myself. Like it made me better equipped to be on this podcast right now, doing a mm-hmm. theater program like that. That mm-hmm. that was such a great program. And I, I missed that's why you're I missed such a great life coach as well too. You know, because like you got that training. It's that training, yeah. Yeah, it teaches you self expression. It teaches you how to put yourself out there. I even still find myself, you know, like I was giving my credit card number on the phone the other day to order pizza. And I mm-hmm. said one part of it and she was like, wait, 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 what was that last part? And then I remembered <laughs> my RCA training to enunciate. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it again and I was like, okay, project and enunciate. <laughs> and I was like, four, two, three, eight. <laughs> and she got it. She got it. I still do the diaphragm trick because, like, sometimes <laughs> I'll yell and I'm like, "Fuck, I gotta use my diaphragm." I use my diaphragm. <laughs> what are you playing now? You said you're a musician. What do you What do you play? Do you sing? Oh yeah, 
Um, I am a percussionist, and I also do uh, rap lyrics as well, too. Um, oh, my gosh. People freak out when they hear I rap. They're like, bro, you don't even act like a rapper. I'm like, what is a rapper supposed to act like nowadays? <laughs> I guess oh, my gosh. Is so strong. <laughs> okay, can I tell you a secret real quick? Yeah, yeah, what's up? <laughs> I, I write rap lyrics, too. And I, oh, and I, and I freestyle sometimes in my car, oh, but word. on the, on the down low, <laughs> I love rap. And I word. think if, if I think if I could like have a second life, I might try to like, just be a rapper in that life. <laughs> oh, man, so that's crazy. awesome. We'll have to exchange lyrics sometime or like we can send like little yeah. freestyles back and forth or something. Maybe I can send you a track and you can just feature on it. That'd be awesome. I'd love it. I'd love it. Cause I write, I actually write rhymes all the time. It's one of my outlets is I write poetry. I write rhymes. I write spoken word. I write rap. And I sometimes perform it. If I can find, you know, a friend who appreciates hip hop, I might share some lyrics with them. But uh, one of the things that I'm looking for, actually, and this will further develop my social life in sobriety, because that can be a challenge. It's like you said for your friend, right? Like, personally, like, I'm I'm comfortable at this point. I'm comfortable going into environments where there might be drugs and alcohol around if there's another reason why it's appealing for me to be there. Right. Right. So, like, an open mic at a coffee shop, like, that's cool. I don't care if people are smoking weed out back or if they're even in there smoking weed, drinking, whatever. Like I don't really go to the, I don't go to bars because there's probably not much going on other than that. Like, but if there's a reason to be there and it's entertaining for me sober, I don't really mind that stuff. So I am actually really excited to develop, um, doing some like open mics and spoken word as part of my social life. Cause you asked about right. challenges in recovery. That can be really hard social life. I remember when I was single and then I got into a long-term relationship. Now I'm actually single again as of recently. But when I, the last time I was single, the biggest trigger for me, the, the only thing really, the biggest thing that made me want to drink was was like this feeling like how do I take a girl on a date if I can't ask her to have a drink with me? You I know, was that's going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> that got me, man. That got yeah. me. I, I, you know, I was during the phase where I was drinking for a little while. That was what. That was like one of the reasons why I kept it going. Is I like, it's like, gosh, it seems so much easier to like ask a girl out that way but now i understand that the reason that i thought that is because i i was conditioned by an environment in which that was that was what was going on you know so i thought yeah that's all there is there's nothing fucking else here that's why you're out i need to do what you're doing get the fuck out of here are you in bridgeport uh i'm in new haven now you're in new haven yeah yeah Nice little, nice little area, man. I love it. It's nice and quiet, not too, but not too rowdy. It's beautiful. But there's nothing to do here but go to yeah. bars in mm-hmm. the New Haven pizza too. I mean, that's an option. But that's interesting that you said that because it's like I'm thinking about it now. It's like when I met Nikki, it was like, hey, let's go get some drinks. 
Yeah. And now, yeah. you know, we play video games together. We have a lot of things that we can do that we don't have to really like indulge into like altering our minds. We could literally just have fun. We gotta go back on walks. That's that's one thing I need to do, actually. <laughs> a true OG from the 203. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> oh, this is about to start freestyle. <laughs> I probably would if you gave me a beat, but it would probably suck because I have to be, I have to like not be around anybody for it to oh, be right. good. It only comes out good when I'm not around anybody. You know what I mean? And then oh, I'm yeah. like, oh man, nobody heard that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is like that. It is like that. The courage is trying to like do it in front of people. It's like, it's kind of like how they explain with certain boxers, like Mike Tyson was saying that like when he goes to the gym, the people that he trades with, they whooping his ass. But if you take them to the spotlight and they got to do it the same thing in front of thousands of people, he's going to whoop their ass because they're going to be too freaking shy. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. Aggressive. So I see rapping as a sport like that, too. It's like you, you're comfortable with, within yourself, but uh-huh. it just becomes harder to get it out to the people. But once you That's get it out so to the people, you're, you're ready. <laughs> hmm hmm That's so true. I can't wait to hear some of your music. Oh yeah, man! I'll send you the link. Um, I have, I have just one song professionally out with my band, like where it's called One. But we're dropping an album, so we're going to be recording. So um, awesome. it's just one song so far, but it, it, it's it's all coming together. It's finally coming together. That was one of the struggles I had because I couldn't find an outlet to keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. And now I'm almost 30, but I guess, hey, <laughs> better time than never. <laughs> 30 is young as fuck, dude. You're you're young. Yeah, you got. I got one more. You year, got a man. lot going for you. Look at this podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I would be surprised. What do you say? But. <laughs> no, no. I was going to say, I, I was going to say. um, What was I going to say? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's really cool that you're that you're doing music though. That that's like you know, uh, that is such a good outlet. And do you rap on the track? The track that's coming out. Do you rap on it? Yeah, yeah. Um, one I I do of, of the third verse, and um, it's funny. So I'm you know I might as well just talk about this real quick. So mm-hmm. one is one single that turned into a collective project where we ended up having artists from all over the world given their versions of one. So we had somebody from Ghana, Ethiopia, um, Nigeria, also an indigenous person from um, New Mexico, uh, people in Brooklyn. They all made their own versions of our song and we created a collective album. Oh, that's so it's cool. like nine tracks of the same song, but in so many different versions. Oh my god, that's so cool! Yeah, I can't wait. I gotta, I gotta download that. I'll buy it as soon as it's out. Oh, it's out. Oh, it's, it's out. out. Yeah, that one's the out. Next album is coming soon. Yeah. I see. So that's what you mean when you say we've got a song out, but you've got a song out that is also an album of the same song in all these different cultural variations. Right. Oh, that's sick. I can't wait to check it out. The media press that we had talked to were like, oh, this never been done. I'm like, I don't know. 
somebody had to have come up with this. Like, I think I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, well, you, you should – I mean, you should just stick with that, man. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's never been done. That song's never been done. That song's never been done. <laughs> and I think it's a perfect time in the time of healing because, like, I really feel like, truthfully, all of our struggles that we deal with connects. And it mm-hmm. and it shows the system that we have and how we can use our stories to try to better uh, uh, give a better system instead of what we have here for everybody, you know. And like um, one one line this lady had. What, what did she say? Last hope for us. Um, oh no, I can't even think of the line. I'll if it comes back to me. <laughs> I'll I could, I was gonna say I could give you a beat right now. <laughs> <laughs> If it comes back to me, I'll tell you. I, there's so many lyrics, and now I gotta memorize a few of their verses. So when we do it live, we can have people hear those different mixes, you know. Mm-hmm. So it makes the show so much better. But yeah, yeah I'll definitely send you check it out, and you are definitely gonna be on my EP when I do my oh, solo. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's cool to connect back to the roots, though. You know, Connecticut, like. You know, Connecticut, I did leave Connecticut because, you know, the things that I was interested in doing, like, mm-hmm. aren't aren't really in Connecticut. You know, like, I I, I didn't find it um, to be, like, a place that was exciting for me to stay. Sometimes I think about, like, oh, it must be so different. Like, I live in Santa Cruz now. If I was in – if I was born here, like, my buddy was born and raised here, it's, like, so interesting to me to think about if you're born and raised in – in a place that's like world-class, like just amazing, you know, on the coast. And, uh, you know, we have the mountains and the ocean and it's a, it's, it's like a, you know, a surf spot. Uh, people travel here. Like it's Where so different. Like if it's in San, Santa Cruz or like an hour and a half South of San Francisco. Oh, and I just think good. about like, if you were, if you're actually born in a place like that, Right. Maybe you would want to just stay, you know, like that would be so different. Like, I don't want to bash Connecticut too much because <laughs> it was, it was, you know, it's got, it's, it's, it's nice. You know, I'm grateful for my childhood and there's right. some cool stuff there, but because I got really interested in outdoor sports and climbing mountains, it wasn't really the place for me to be, you know, like I chose to go to college and, and SUNY New Paltz partly because like the cliffs were right there, like the gunks, the mountains were right there. I was like, oh, I'm going to kind of choose my college right now, a little bit based on the rock climbing that I want to do. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> nice. But that's amazing though. And have that made you so much happier and it helped you in your journey? Like was re- relocating a part of like your, your, your journey with being so sober? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you have to be careful because you could, try to change everything around you. And if you don't change, you're just going to end up doing the same shit in a different place. But for me, like adventure is really important to me. And so traveling has been a big part of my path and the way that I've, you know, uh, found excitement and fulfillment without addiction. And, you know, I did, I, I did a lot of bouncing around, like I went to college in New York and then I went to New Hampshire uh, I lived in New Hampshire for a couple years, did lots of climbing, backpacking there. And then I uh, launched myself on a road trip that I thought was going to last for about three months. It ended up lasting a year. 
And I went down to Mexico and all over the country, all over the continent. I was rock climbing as much as possible. And that's how I ended up in Santa Cruz, actually. I passed through Santa Cruz, loved it here, ended up coming back later and moving here. So, Wow. So now you're permanently in Santa Cruz. Permanent is a strong word, but I don't have any plans. <laughs> I don't have any plans to leave. I don't have any Never plans know. to leave. I, I, I'm so tired of moving, to be honest with you. Like, I just yeah. moved again. Like, I moved within Santa Cruz, but, like, so done moving. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I've moved I've moved four times in Santa Cruz. Four or five times. Really? Yeah, in two years. Four or five times within Santa Cruz already, even here. So, yeah. Wow. You move <laughs> yeah. a lot, man. <laughs> I know. I'm ready to be. I'm ready to be done with it. We got a hot tub. Oh, nice. I don't see no reason to go anywhere. <laughs> right? Especially during the pandemic. Yeah, you don't, you don't have no reason now. You're good. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, yeah I have ahead. my same apartment mm-hmm. that I started with, and I'm ready to get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah? What are you <laughs> yeah. thinking? Where do you, you want to go? Like, what would be cool for you? Um, I want to go to Ghana. Mm. So bad. Mm. Mm. But I feel like if I go, I'm not going to want to come back to America. <laughs> That's possible. Because I've read a survey on African Americans that left America and went over to Ghana or um, the other rich com- countries over there. Um, I can't even think of their names, but there's quite a few that they don't show in the media that they try to say that everything's poor there, which is so inaccurate, but mm-hmm. they don't come back. <laughs> they don't come back. They find I believe out. it. Yeah. <laughs> I believe business. it. <laughs> I believe like, it. That's what I'm afraid of. Not coming back. Like, I think I might do it when I'm in my fifties. That I think I should be done with America by 50. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I mean, I think, I think, um, I think you'll know. You know, I think you'll know. Like when it's time, like when you're ready. Oh, if you yeah. want to go? You should do it. You should do it. I've never regretted feeling an urge to do something like that and then doing it. Mm-hmm. I've never regretted it. Even coming out here and like, I, part of that was like a relationship and there was a, a girl, a relationship involved. And it was, it was challenging. It was very strenuous. It didn't go as planned and it was very challenging, honestly, but I still have no regrets. Like, I'm still glad I'm here. I just think like, if your heart wants you to like take a leap most of the time, it's like all the time, like you're not going to regret it. If you do it, let's put it that way. Choose the adventure. Oh, man, you're talking me into it. Because, you know, we're going to do a tour soon in Africa um, Ah. in, like, 2023 or something like that. And I can't wait. But I'm also, like, if I go to Ghana, I'm going to be like, man, I'm going to stay here for a little bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stay here for a little bit. What's up, guys? Can't wait. I can't. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I just feel like that is just, I just feel, I hate feeling detached from the origins you know like i hate feeling detached 
I just want to see it. I want to see where my ancestors were. Because I found out that, like, I have, like, West African heritage. Mm. So West Africa is definitely on that list. Wow. Yeah, I can only imagine. I can so only we, imagine. This is this is so deep. I, I, we, we don't need to get into this. <laughs> this can take forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it's beautiful, you know. I think it's that's really cool that you, you feel called to go there. I mean, I would I could definitely imagine like people don't go back. Like you you might go and feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so much more at home here. Yeah. Like yeah. without without racism or yeah or police brutality. You know, I mean, yeah, we we're kind of going in a in a, a yeah, direction that, in that that's way, a whole but direction. but it actually coincides with the struggle with addiction because it's like it when you compare the the system to how you know they put crack in the streets. You know, mm-hmm. the FBI said they did that to fund wars, so it's like they wanted us to get addicted. They wanted us to. Get strung out and kill ourselves. They wanted it, and now that we know this history, um, I always say this: Black people, if you hear me, go see a therapist. Okay, it's okay to get mental health. It's okay to get mental health. It's okay. That's one thing in our culture that still to this day that we tell each other, like, "Oh, I don't need to go see a therapist." No, <laughs> mm-hmm. go see a therapist. Everybody needs a therapist, man. Like, I agree. Everybody does. Everybody I, does. I agree. I was just talking to my cousin who has a PhD and is the director of like a very prestigious museum in San Francisco, right? So mm-hmm. like obviously a functional person, but like I was mm-hmm. like I was like, you know, what what's allowed your, you know, marriage cuz he has a beautiful family, he's got a happy marriage, two kids, they're all happy, healthy. I'm like, how'd you do it? Josh, you know, like, <laughs> and he's like, honestly, years of therapy, man. <laughs> like, there you go. You know, we're like, yeah, we should, we should embrace the fact that we are beings who benefit from outside support. Yeah, we and, need, uh, we're not like individual creatures. We need to be around people. We need support. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Well, co- clearly the conversation had a natural flow to it. You know, we could we could go for so much longer. It's really good to con- reconnect with you. We have, I might you might have to come out to a surf trip to Santa Cruz or something at some point. Oh, I'm down, but I'm scared of water, man. I gotta learn how to swim first. <laughs> we could do a beach day, or we could we could we could walk around in the in the hills. Oh man, Nick there's would love that. There's a lot to do. I I might come to Connecticut at some point. Uh, because my family's still there. Yeah, my mom's mm-hmm. there. My sister's actually moving there to Milford. Mm-hmm. Uh, have I met your sister? I don't think I ever met your sister, right? I think you must have actually because she was in RCA and she's your age. She's she's two and a half years older uh, than me. So she just turned 30. I actually wrote her a rap for her 30th birthday. And I, I, list, <laughs> I rapped about 30 memories that only she would get. But yeah, I think you you probably did. Her name's Kayla. Kayla Yoder. Yes, I think I do know. Like like not know her, but saw her. You might recognize her if you saw her. Yeah. 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 
So mm-hmm. yeah, like, so the fact that you are able to rap about memories, it shows that you have a, a high skill. So I'm gonna need to hear some like bars soon from you. Because <laughs> not everybody can rap about memories. <laughs> I did a. You want me to spit something right now? Oh. Want me okay. to spit something quick right now? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I can do this, the only reason I can do this, is because I was freestyling the other day in my car. And I had one of those moments where I realized that something came out that was really good. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck, man, nobody heard that. So I started repeating it over and over again so that I would remember it. And then I sent it to my friend. So let me see if I can do it now. I don't know if I remember, but let me see if I can do it. <clears throat> okay. Oh, I'm getting nervous now. This is good practice. Okay. <sighs> okay. Yo, I'm sick with it. I'm quick with it. No discussion. I'm so percussive when I'm spitting. I'm Sid Vicious on the microphone. I ain't going nowhere. I'm indigenous. That had a double meaning, but it's sad, though. Fuck a cowboy. Strangle him with his lasso. And I'm past dope even when my ass broke. uh, I'm past dope even when my ass broke. But, um, uh, But I got mad hope. I used to deal dope. Oh, I went from dealing dope to dealing mm, hope. I went from dealing mm. dope to dealing hope. Like that. Uh, like I said, I'm vicious. Y'all vicious. Y'all feeling smoked. Mm. But I'm coming in, breaking the locks, though. Mm. And I got vision all painted like Picasso. It was something like that. Mm. Something like that. But like I no, spit that while I was freestyling. Yeah, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, you got bars, though, bro. Like, I like fire. doing it. I like doing it. I see that you was memorizing that too, because you had to, you had to like think about it. So that's dope. You, you right. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it off the top. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't remember it. <laughs> Everybody, shout out to Hope Fest. There's a, there's a, there's, so is there's a uh, concert. I was going to tell you this earlier, but you just reminded me because you, you made that sick bar about Hope. There's a concert that happens in upstate New York. Every single year, sadly because of the pandemic, they have it last year, uh, called the Hope Fest, where all it's all about like just musicians come together and they raise funds towards helping people struggle with addiction, and it is an amazing festival. It's two days wow. long. It's like, and That's when sick. we played, we had to like get go. They had to pick us up in a go kart, so I felt all official. I was like. Put my music equipment in the go kart. <laughs> oh no way! You played there. That is sick. I thought I was in like I thought I had a record deal that day. I was like, man, this is y'all are too official. <laughs> Hold on to that feeling. Hold on to that feeling. You're gonna have more of that. Just more of that. You're gonna uh, get more so of that so in your life. <laughs> oh no! Feel into that. Feel into that. You just call on that. Yeah, there's a lots of ups and downs with entrepreneurship, but. I know what you mm-hmm. mean. Those moments when you're like, oh, my God, it's happening. The dream. <laughs> That's dream, awesome. Man. That's yeah, awesome. It's, it's, freaking, it's freaking amazing. And I, I think that when, when you were talking about, like, the high um, – so, uh, what, what, what's the name of what's the name of your uh, – Natural highs. Uh, natural highs. There it is. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the high-minded. Um, natural highs. Um, I think, like, for me, what – keeps me sane is because my natural high is music mm-hmm. and my natural high 
it's activism. And I feel like that's kind of weird that my natural high, where I would say that it's activism because it's also a sacrifice. So mm-hmm. I don't think sacrifices are natural high. Um, I mean, maybe it's a natural high. Actually, I'm taking that back. I don't think it's natural high because some people, it's probably a natural high to them because they feel like they like are on top of the world. Everybody's like pay attention to them because they have this one cause. But mm-hmm. to me, it's like, it's like I, okay, so. Here, here I am analyzing myself. I think the sacrifice to me is a natural high. Mm. If I didn't have any of that, who would I be? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. I hear that. Did I just get into deep? <laughs> no, I, I think that I think I'm, I'm following you. I'm following you because I think that it gives you passion. And that passion is a natural high. Like you're like motivated, you know, it gives you passion. Like you're going to fight for fucking justice. Mm -hmm. That's a natural high because now you're filled with passion for something. And it is a sacrifice, but it could also be a natural high, you know, Uh, and I I know very worthy. To a natural high for a minute. I was a little concerned because I was like, I don't want it to sound like, oh, like, I enjoy this. I don't, but I am very passionate about it. So I think I think it is a part of a natural life. Right. We don't en- we don't enjoy the fact that there's injustice, right. but we might enjoy fighting against it or we might be impassioned by that fight against it. Right. We enjoy the ideas that we're fighting for. We enjoy the outcomes that we're fighting for. Right. Peace, love, equality, equanimity. You know, that's the, we, we enjoy those and we get high off those in a natural way. But yeah, the fight itself is, is too bad. Too bad, you know? And And it does relate to addiction too. Cause you know, I, I just Mm -hmm. watched it, you know, just because I, I watched the, the video footage of Adam Toledo getting shot Mm -hmm. and, you know, of course one, that's one of many. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white person. I don't, I'm, <laughs> I, I might, I might fuck up. Hey. And if I fuck up that, then I'm hoping to learn. Right. But what came to mind for me was like, you know what, if I think about my own past, mm-hmm. like I did plenty of shit that it, and I had encounters with the police mm-hmm. where I was given a slap on the wrist and basically let off with no consequences and I really do believe that if nothing changed in that situation other than the color of my skin, if I had been a person of color in those same situations, the consequences could have and would have been way worse, way worse for me doing the same thing and being the same person. If I just had a different skin color, you know, then my life could have been in jeopardy. Whereas with white skin, I was, I was let off. So obviously nobody should be getting fucking shot because, you know, like it's, they're not doing anything wrong. Like it's, right, right. And, and, and yeah, it's just fucked up, man. That's, I do look just by saying that, you know what I mean? Is a difference because I find a lot of, White people don't say that. They don't. And I 
I also like to remind them that even though black people are talking about this, they are also shooting white people and get and killing white people as well too. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is a difference of treatment. So I'm just like, look, let's all be out here together. One should be getting murdered. Period. Especially Nobody. When compare data to other countries that are um i hate using the first world term but we'll use Mm -hmm. it i don't like using the first world term but other first world countries Mm -hmm. their training is longer and they won't they haven't killed anyone in decades Mm -hmm. Um, it's just it's it's literally just why can't we just fucking at least copy Mm-hmm. What another country is doing that's better. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Americans are all like, oh, well, we lead the nation. No, we don't. We lead the nation in bullshit. <laughs> we, lead, we lead the world in bullshit. We don't really lead the world in sophisticated sophistication and stuff like that. Like, we don't. We have to like, really, like, unlearn. Unlearn that this is not the greatest country. We could make it the greatest country. Mm-hmm. We're definitely not there. Not there by the long shot. I I agree. I completely agree. People like you is helping the movement. Just off of that. Just I, off I of that. that. People like you. Because what you're doing is helping people with their addiction. And you understand them. And you're a life coach. So you're also helping people make their lives better. And that is what's moving. That's what makes America great. Not again, but what makes America great. <laughs> what, 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 what could potentially, eventually make America great for the first time. <laughs> the first time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ever. Uh, you know, we're, we're at the hour 33 minute mark. And yeah. I um I just want to check real quick on our other guest and see if she's gonna be around. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to take up more of your time, but I'm 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 enjoying this reconnection that we have. Yeah, same. You know. Yeah. I remember when I saw you do a live feed on your Facebook page, and I was like, "Oh, it's Jacob." <laughs> I was so happy that you responded. I thought that you didn't see it because you had people in your chat. You had bad people talking in your chat. So I was like, I don't think he's going to see this. I don't, I don't even think he's going to remember me. <laughs> no, of course. Of course I remembered. Yeah. I'm on Instagram more than I'm on Facebook, actually, to be honest. So sorry yeah. if I've taken a long time to respond at times. But, but I, know, you know, I try. But yeah, I no, I, other <laughs> I was stoked. I was stoked that you reached out Word. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have. I there, there has been times where, like, you know, I'll think of people from high school and I'll look up their thing, and I'll be like, "Oh wow!" But then I notice that some people have blocked me. So <laughs> <laughs> that comes yeah. with the cost of being an activist. <laughs> you know, it's funny though because I don't. Um, I honestly don't. I don't uh, keep in touch with anybody from from high school. Really, I like. One one really good friend that I went to high school with that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that I still am connected with, and he was my best friend. Uh, and but like nobody else, though. I mean, 
yeah so it's kind of cool to connect back in that way because yeah yeah the world is pretty distant to me now yeah and 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 you know i think that it's it means something when you haven't spoken to someone especially from high school because who the hell do i really hang out with from high school it's besides my my friends i grew up with that didn't go to rca but i knew them in the neighborhood but um, mm-hmm. and that's crazy. That I think that's value in itself too. That we're still tight mm-hmm. to this day. Mm-hmm. But it, it it's amazing to just come back after like a decade, and you're talking to someone that you knew from way back. You know, life is short, and these are beautiful moments. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I think I'm too like spiritual in a way with just valuing everything. That I always tell people that I connect with, like, thank you so much for your time and uh you you're always welcome to come back and all this stuff and they're just like dude you're just so nice i'm like i love i love having conversations i love being around people i'm just i guess that's weird maybe that's that that's something that i need to like reevaluate why do i need to be around people so much (laughs) i mean i think cherishing things is the way to be you know i don't think there's anything wrong with that Mm mm-hmm and uh, I, I will always tell people I love them. Yeah. <laughs> what? I'm too, true, too. I like doing that, too. I'm like, I much love. You know, like, I love you. Like, why don't we say that more? <laughs> right? Why not? <laughs> why don't yeah. we say that? I think that's a man thing, that we need to, like, learn how to use that more. Like, my father, for instance, like, we don't, we just started telling each other we love each other. Um mm. I would he would never say that in the past. And I would never say it to him because I thought that would make me seem like uh weak. And I'm already was trying to hide in the closet. So I was like, uh maybe he'll think I'm fruity if I say I love him or something. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now overthinking nonsense. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, it looks yeah. like um I'm I, I this is unfortunate. Maybe we could one day uh come back with with uh Shaba. Yeah, is that how, is that how you pronounce her name? Saba? Uh I haven't asked her yet. Saba? Oh, Saba Saba. How do you know her? Um she actually I haven't really like talked to her face to face yet, but through like messenger cuz she's actually uh she called out some races in um the good old Fairfield County, as it always is. They were basically just wearing blackface their Halloween, and they had like Afro wigs on, and it was like straight out of Bridgeport and stuff like that. So like she was like exposing them, like this is not right. You can't be going to Halloween parties acting like you're black and you're not. And then I was like, oh word, I like her fire. I'm gonna add her on Facebook and nice. stuff like that. Then I learned that she's also like an advocate for sobriety and recovery. So awesome. Like, oh, Get her on and see and see her thoughts on it and stuff like that. Maybe we can nice. try and give another day. <laughs> That's rad. Yeah, I'm totally down. I'm totally down. And yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Always happy to come back. Always happy to yeah. come back. You know, I'd love to meet Saba. Um, yeah, and uh, fun of the show, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and I'd love to come on and you know spit some bars too, like and do a better job. So you know. <laughs> Yo. Listen, off of just off your head, just what you was just memorizing, that's already like once you do it like 
clean off. That's that. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I can see that recorded. I can see that on something. I can see it, especially nice. like the hope line and the woo, bro. Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. People are trash. A lot of people are trash at rabbit. And, yeah, and, and they just get it, get away with it because it's the way they're delivered. It's all about delivery. Yeah. Yeah. When you write down their lyrics, you can tell who was actually like nice with it, like Kendrick. It compared yeah. to like six nine, who I don't even know why he's still relevant. <laughs> but it's all about delivery. It's the delivery that keeps yeah. the cap- Oh wait. That's look, true. Look at what we have oh. here. Hey. 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 <laughs> I nice to meet you. Just walked out of work. Yeah, I just realized that. I was like, she's coming out of work, so you never know. And I understand yeah. if you're, like, tired, you're like, uh, I don't know about this right now. <laughs> oh, I don't back down. I I don't back down. A promise is a promise. Oh, wow. So Just, when, just when we were giving up hope. No, never give up hope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we would do that, obviously. Never give up hope. It was so busy today. Oh, it's opening up? Yeah, the bars are opening up. Um, I just moved to San Diego, and ironically, I bartend. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> sober bartender, isn't that fun? Oh, wow. um, But I love bartending. It's just what I've been for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting, because, well, first of all, my name is Jamar. I remember you from um, calling out those racist assholes, and I was like, I got to add her as a friend. This person seems yeah, man, they were from Fairfield. <laughs> they were a bunch of car douches from Fairfield who thought it was okay putting on like a black face mask and saying yeah. wearing shirts that said straight out of Bridgeport with pregnant and, and dreads and a pregnant belly and trying to say that not only are they being racist, but they're demeaning women. Trying to say yeah. that women from Bridgeport, all they are is uh, you know, they just get pregnant or, or something like that in that yeah. scenario. And a couple of these guys were black. Mm-hmm. So, which are also, and I'm like, no one. This who who thought this was okay? <laughs> like, who thought this was okay? And they're like, oh, it's not a big deal. I'm like, why don't you walk down Fairfield Avenue, Bridgeport, Connecticut, wearing oh, this they, outfit? If you think it's okay, <laughs> they guarantee they're not going to even make it past like maybe one foot if they get lucky. <laughs> but Shaba, uh, Shaba, right? Saba, Saba. Saba, okay. like, Saba, Jake Yoder. Uh, Jake, Jake Yoder, Yoder nice is a guys. good friend from us from high school. Yeah, nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, Saba. We were taking bets just now on how to pronounce your name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think I won, right? Yeah, um, yeah, you won. It's really, <laughs> it, I think the H throws people off. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm already awful with pronouncing names, so I fell from the beginning. Like, Me I, too. I have anything. to remember so many names and I can't remember anything. I can remember drink orders, but not names. Right. So that's a good question. How are you like so strong minded? Because I have a friend. I have a few friends that can't like chill with me when I'm doing gigs because I'm a musician. And of course, drugs, alcohol coincide with performing and all that stuff. So like. Jake talked about it as well too, like how he was able to grow such a great mind by like 
um just going because it's a function for like open mics or something like that like it has to be a reason you know what i mean like it makes total sense and like he's able to do it and be around people so like how are you able to bartend and you struggle with sobriety maybe it's like um a stupid question that i'm asking there's no no such thing as a stupid question i've been told guys i'm so sorry to do this i just got a text that um there's a extra vaccines available and i'm not vaccinated yet so I gotta jump off. I, I really wish we could hang. Maybe we should all reconnect sometime and yeah, another show. Tuesdays and Wednesdays work really good for me. Obviously not Mondays. <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely, definitely. It was good seeing you, Jake. It was great seeing you. And Jamar, we'll be in touch, of course. And Saba, I'll connect with you on the the social medias. Yes, definitely. Good luck with the vaccine. Stay hydrated. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye, guys. Good, right. good, good, good night. I mean, well, good, good night. Day. Good day. <laughs> so, uh, to your question, it's the bar is like my nine to five. You know, like I, it's my profession, and I don't mm-hmm. really mix business and pleasure. Um, mm-hmm. to staying sober is is getting easier day by day, but I think it gets difficult during those times when you go out dancing with your girlfriends or when you're sitting Mm -hmm. on the beach, like uh, on vacation or something, you know, and you're like staring at the ocean and you're just in this place of like perfect peace and happiness. And that's when it starts to become a little challenging when you're like, I mean, is uh, is a mojito or like a margarita really going to hurt if I have one? You know, that's Mm -hmm. when it becomes a bit challenging. But the bar, it's just what I love to do when I see people getting drunk. Or uh, there was this one gentleman today, amazing man, um, who had about 17 drinks, 17 tangray and sodas. He did not act different at all. And it was really scary to see people drink so well because i can't i would never that's why i gave it up you know right um but he did not flinch he did not his demeanor nothing changed and he is what i consider like someone who i don't know if it's a a, a blessing or curse Mm -hmm. to put a drink so much and and not feel anything at all you know Mm -hmm. but i'm like wow uh that's scary to me, mm-hmm. you know, that he can, and he was still going and going. I actually left. He's still there, you know? What? Yeah. Who is this guy? Yeah. I <laughs> because of confidentiality, but he's, he's a great man. He's respectful. He's nice. He's very successful. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's very successful. And uh, maybe he's just got to the point that he just, life doesn't phase him anymore. So he can have like, 20 30 drinks you know he's a big man he's probably about six foot four um you know really stocky guy but mm. I, I mean hey whatever works for you and and that's the thing it's like alcohol is not the greatest thing but whatever mm. works for you you know if you can, if you can have a glass of wine with dinner then so be it you know mm. um but it was really destroying my my life i was taking over and it's over like mind over matter you know is this important Mm -hmm. enough to me to let it control my whole entire life Mm -hmm. um some days it gets hard i check myself into aa you know when i feel Mm -hmm. like i'm struggling with it i haven't gone to aa since my one year sober in november so it's it's due i feel like i should go to one just to keep my sanity going right 
Do um, they have a lot of coffee there for uh, at your AA meetings? At coffee? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I do so love. I coffee. was making a joke about like how like I kept going because I went to AA because I was in like the pre- I went to like was outpatient rehab for depression or something like that. Yeah. And they wanted me to go to AA meetings as well too, and I was like, what? I'm not here for that. And they're like, please. So I went and I saw they had so many different flavors of coffee. And I kept going back because of the free coffee. AA <laughs> meetings always have coffee. That's always amazing. have coffee. <laughs> and I, I, I'm like, it's, it's, some people like to argue and say, well, you're not completely sober if you're drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you're not completely sober, period. Because, you know, the right. toothpaste that we use has like, it, you know, everything that we do has is right. chemically ba- imbalanced for our, right. the meat that we eat. If you mm-hmm. eat meat, if you're a carnivore, that's processed and that has addictive, you know, mm-hmm. additives and stuff like that. So no one's really truly sober, you know. So when I when I start saying to people, I'm abstinent. I don't drink alcohol. And, and mm. um, most of the time people ask more questions, but sometimes people I, I, I can get away with just because I everyone doesn't need to know your personal business, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. I just keep it pretty simple. But those AA meetings have so much coffee that, like, by the time I'm done with the meeting, I feel like I'm so high because I have like four cups. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm talking to everyone and just like going fifty miles an yeah. hour. I already talk fast, you know. So you can imagine me on coffee. Yeah, that's the thing I have to take coffee. a break from. I have to take a break from coffee because coffee gets me like, uh, and. People that, that that know me, they're like, bro, you're always loud. And when you're on coffee, like, you don't know how to shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> it's always something. <laughs> I mean, you gotta pick your poison at this point, you know? Right. <laughs> A little coffee doesn't hurt anyone, you know? Um, I don't, The liquor was just really, really, the really, really the bad part. And I actually read an article about liquor that said, when you drink alcohol, whether it's wine, beer, hard liquor, whatever it is, and it excites you, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Because what liquor is supposed to do is supposed to, un- it's supposed to wind you down. It's supposed to t- calm oh. you and relax you. It's not supposed to get you going. And I'm like, mm. dude, it gets everybody going. You- <laughs> so do we all have problems? Because every- yeah. it gets everybody going. I mean, I do this for a living and I see the way people are. The moment they have that first drink, they're like, yeah, man, wh- where are you from? And they have all these... Mm-hmm. They're all of a sudden interested in everyone and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But before they were drinking, they didn't care really. Yeah, my girlfriend has a saying: "Oh, time to take a shot, I'm getting sleepy." <laughs> then uh, she takes a shot. Oh, she <laughs> might have a problem too. So <laughs> I want to get her on this wagon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, say, we have talked about. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Relationships are really hard. Um, it's really, really challenging being in in a relationship as a sober person i've tried being mm-hmm. with someone who was sober also and he was insane he was just oh. what i call a dry drunk you know so he had he was he had 7 years on him but he was insane he he was just living to be sober you know he wasn't healing there's a process mm-hmm. to being sober you know at least for me i can be sober for as long as i want but if i don't deal with the problems and I don't deal with the trauma and I don't deal with all of the bad things that happen, then I'm I'm not really doing anything about it. I'm just not right. drinking, you know? 
and he did not have anything that he he was just insane he had a lot of problems he had mm. a, he wasn't even talking to his mother uh he, his own mother he he wasn't even talking to his mother i mean how can you not have a relationship with the woman that birthed you even if she's a conniving mm-hmm. nastiest woman ever you need to have some kind of relationship with your mother you know right. especially if she's here and well and healthy and alive you have to have some at least a higher abide you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, even a higher buy is, is is pretty good. Like, you know, that was me and my father because my father struggled with alcohol and, you know, but now he's good and he's sober and he's one of the greatest men that I have the pleasure to know. And we are so much tighter now, but I had to, for myself, forgive him for that. And once I learned to forgive him, we got, we got so much stronger. Now that's a recent forgive. This one, people didn't know that. Yeah. It took me a while. I'm 29 years old, and I, we're talking now. Now, when I started, when I just turned 27, so <laughs> that's the well, reason for you. For you, a lot of people, Jamar, a lot of people go their whole life without talking about anything. You know, mm-hmm. they just kind of sweep their problems under the rug, and and they go their whole life. And they're just this this format of toxicity. Like you ever hate you ever talk to someone, and after you're done talking to them, you just feel some type of way. You just feel a little hostile, maybe a little violent, maybe a little tired. It's because their 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 energy is so negative. It literally shows. You know, it ma- makes you feel. I'm all about energy. I'm all about how right. someone makes me feel. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. You can definitely tell. Yeah, you can. You can chose in their face or they start they start gaining like a lot of unhealthy weight or they become really skinny really quickly or they lose a lot of hair really fast or like it just shows in their like their how they projecting just shows in their body like it takes over. You you have mm-hmm. to take care of yourself. I I'm 31 now and I feel so much better than I have ever in my life before. You know, I Well, I thought you were like in your 20s. <laughs> no, I just turned 31. I feel wow. great. I feel great. I'm always sore because I'm compensating that the working out has really helped me stay sober. I'm always sore. So everything's always sore because I'm constantly working out, but (laughs) has really helped, you know, it really has helped me. It gets the adrenaline going and that's what alcohol did for me too. You know, you, you have a drink when you're at the club and you start feeling good and your girls Mm -hmm. are all twerking on the dance floor and (laughs) tension and men are coming our way and, Man, we used to kill it in the clubs, you know, and <laughs> you feel like you feel like superhuman, you know, yeah. and so uh, that's the feeling that I that I really loved when I got drunk. And now that I'm in the gym and I'm lifting weights and I see my body changing and my, I'm starting to get muscles here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, that's that's much that's a much more better feeling than the, the egotistical fixation that I was looking for constantly. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing when when someone's complimenting you you know your 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 beauty or whatever it is but it's another thing when mm. someone's actually uh enjoying like being around you and and they're feeding your soul and not your ego you know mm-hmm. so the liquor was just feeding my ego and and all these other things that i've been doing are fe- there it's feeding my soul and it's making me feel better and i'm treating people better uh, i'm not angry i'm not mm. I, I don't even know when the last time i got angry was um upset i get upset all the time but mm. angry i don't really get that much anymore that's interesting um, that you were mentioning the like how you how exercising has became like a replacement from um drinking because Jake was also explaining like he he uh 
be basically like the uh, rock climbing, surfing, um, traveling, um, all these kind of things. He's like, he, he, then he says that I don't want people to think that addiction is a, is a bad term because there are also good addictions where we could just like work out. You could go rock climbing. You can have a hobby. Like for me, it's uh, playing music. Uh, that's my natural high. I love music so much. <laughs> right. Music is very healing. It's very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I, I, I agree. Like sometimes you just need to get away from stuff, you know, and, and there is, there is good addictions like music, you know, I mean, has anyone ever gone to jail for playing an instrument? Uh, you know, no. has anyone well, not in this that? Era. <laughs> have you ever gotten arrested for, for playing the guitar? Have you ever gotten arrested for singing? You know, like, music is healing. And have you ever gotten arrested for going to the gym? You know, like, have you ever gotten in trouble for going on rock climbing? I mean, you, you could like possibly hurt yourself, but still yeah. like, it's not the same, you know, yeah. and you need to find other you can't just always go to meetings, you know? You can't just, like, be like, I'm sober. I got to go to meeting. I'm sober. I got to go to meeting. Meetings all the time. Mm-hmm. Meetings all the time. It, it's not, that's not healthy either, you know? Mm-hmm. You have to find yourself, uh, you have to do something. Uh, yoga, meditate, read books, mm-hmm. you know? Go for walks. Start going for walks. Um, I don't know, mm-hmm. like, journal. Journaling is great, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe take that time to sleep in for a minute instead of waking up early and going to a meeting, you know? You, well, you sleep can- is so good. Sleep is- <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, if I had to pick between eating all day or sleeping all day, I think I would be sleeping all day. <laughs> big fluffy covers, you know what I mean? Just yeah. Big fluffy pillows, a nice comforter, and just like, you know, just sleep all day. And I do yeah. love food. Don't get me wrong. I love to eat. That's another addiction, you know, eating all the time. Yeah. You yeah. Got, you, That's that, tough. It's balance. You got to find balance. So Your how palate you, changes sir? too over time. Well, yes, me, oh, no. Well, I, I haven't. Um, I'm not I'm not sober. I, I don't have like addiction with that. Um, I'm just someone who's like struggled with like except for my father who had the addiction. And. I would say that over time, like I started to understand the reason where he was coming from more. And so I just want people, I just want to center voices. You know, I just want to center people's voices because I feel like this world is kind of like, well, in this country, it's kind of hard, especially in Connecticut. It's like, if even if you want to go out and date with somebody, it's like, all you can do is go to a bar here in Connecticut. Like, it's not like Cali where there's like, it's not, I left bad, different options, the beginning of the year. <laughs> And I don't regret it. I don't think I'm ever coming back to Connecticut. Um, I mean, Callie has always called me. Mm-hmm. And I finally made the decision to drive across country. I got in my car. I, my car is still packed. Um, I just finished a program in L.A. Um, I was doing COVID relief mm-hmm. uh, stuff. And uh, it was really humbling. It was nice. just a volunteer program. So I've been looking at apartments. Um for the past, I've only got to San Diego a week. So uh, I was staying at a hotel and now I'm staying with one of my friends. Um, but Connecticut is, is really, it's really challenging. This one, I remember this one guy had asked me out to drinks and I was like, Oh, I don't drink, you know, cause I, I don't, I'm, I want people to know what I'm about, you know? And he was like, Oh, you don't drink. I was like, no, he was like, so what do you do? <laughs> and I was like, huh? I'm serious. He was 
he was like, so if you don't drink, what do you do? And I was like, I don't understand your question because I sincerely don't understand it. And he was like, well, if you don't like, if you go out on dates and you don't drink, what do you do? And I was like, I, I literally can't even, I can't even take you serious. Not only can I not take you serious, but I don't even want to go out with you. And I just like never talked to him again. That says a lot about a person. That says so much about a person, you know? Yeah, and I'm yeah. just, now that I'm on this path, I've just left and right. Everyone wants to go out with me. Everyone wants to go. I'm like, I'm not interested in anyone. Like I am still on this path and I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying my time. I'm enjoying my life. You know, I, I, I'll give a chance to someone who I think is worth it, but I always know in my heart that it's not the at a, a right time. You know, it's not the right time mm. for me. I'm still mm. trying to build my own life and my own empire before I can meet anyone. And, you know, mm. I, I'm in a really, really sensitive place. You know, I don't want mm-hmm. someone to trigger me. And I'm like, you know what? F you, Jamar, you're, you're, you're driving me crazy. And then I go out and mm. I get, I get fucked up, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it, within time, I'll get back into that scene and into the dating mm-hmm. world, but I'm not dating anyone that's, uh, that's going to tell me, Oh, well, if you don't drink, what do you do? I, yeah. I can't, I literally can't take a person like that serious. Yeah. Oh, there well. are things you could do. There are a lot of things you could do. But, like, so many bowling. things you can do. <laughs> bowling, you can go bowling, you can go play pool. You can go like, he could have, he could have rephrased that. He could have been like, Oh, so what do you do for fun? You know, instead of being like, well, if you don't drink, what do you do? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, what do you mean? It's just, it was weird. There's a lot of things you can do. There are so many date activities um, that you can do. I have a lot of girlfriends that I still hung out with. I, I, I thought I would mm-hmm. lose. I lost a few people, but they were shitty people anyways. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the yeah, real ones. <laughs> no, they, they stopped talking to me the moment I stopped drinking, you know, I, they're really shitty people and they were just mm. I, I people use you people use you in, in that scene in that in that partying addicting uh, drinking yeah. partying whatever scene whatever you want to call it people use you they use you for your time for your for your looks for your money for whatever they can get you know entertainment no one wants to go alone to a bar and drink even mm. if they don't like you jamar they're gonna be like i'm gonna go and hang out with jamar because i know that he's gonna make time for me even if they don't mm. like you yeah, I have friends that just want to hang out with me because I have weed on me, and I, I and then I realized that when I stopped smoking all the time, it weren't around. And then when I smoked again, they're like, "Hey," I was like, "Man, are you serious?" <laughs> it, it's so crazy how people people rather hang out with someone that they don't really care about than be alone. Like so many people have a problem with being alone. I always go out yeah. alone. You know, I'm always out alone. I'm always having dinner, um, especially here in San Diego. I don't, I haven't made that many friends. The the bar crew that I work at, the restaurant that I work at, is it's great. The bar crew is great. I've built a, a few people that I really get along with here, but I've only been here for a week. You know, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. make friends that quickly. But I do go out alone. I really enjoy it. I rather have my own company than a really shitty company. You know. Yeah. Right. Right. But the moment you stop smoking weed, they're like, oh well. I ain't got time. I, I gotta go. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I gotta go hang out with my my hamster. My, my cat. My cat's home alone, man. I don't. Yeah. And like, yeah. man, fuck you, dude. Yeah, fuck you, yeah. Paul. It, you know, it just makes you makes you uh, actually just you know it makes you a better person. You're just like, oh, so I I've realized that I should never waste my time with that person. 
it, you know, the, you know, when you get older, you're older than me. So, you know, you're just like, it makes you more uh, responsible and gives you the right idea of who type of the type of people you would like in your life. You know, it you're no longer guessing you start it weeds out all of (laughs) it filters out all of the the phony or all the fakes and all the you know all the people that just want to party or smoke weed all the time and like like there's nothing wrong with having a drink there's nothing wrong with smoking weed but you Mm -hmm. can't make that your life you know you can't make Mm -hmm. that everything you know um i had someone come visit me here and all he wanted to do was smoke weed and watch tv and we're in san mm-hmm. diego like we're in yeah. california we're in one of the most beautiful states in the country mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and he just wanted to do nothing but smoke weed and watch tv and i was just like man that sucks what a sad life like right. if you if you can't enjoy the beauty of life like the beauty of the world and like, and, and just in a clear vision, then you're not really living, man. Mm-hmm. You're not really yeah, living. I, you're just surviving at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think that, I think that it's also like important to just, I don't know. It's a good thought. Cause now I'm thinking about some people. <laughs> You'd be surprised, you know, when you make good, <laughs> for yourself when you make good meaningful changes for yourself they they you know as they say they they want to see you do good but never better than them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some yeah. people don't want to see you do good at all you know some people just are, don't want you to do anything they just want you to like just do whatever they want you to do and when you mm-hmm. make good changes positive changes for yourself it weeds out all the people you know it kind of filters it getting sober for me just it just filtered my world you know it just made everything clearer it made everything bad go away and all the good things are coming my way i i I work at one of the best bars i've ever worked at in my life my Mm. boss is amazing Um, i remember i used to work uh before when i was in catacat i used to work at a bar at a hotel it was a high-end hotel they would yell at me when i ate food Oh, wow. Like they did not want me to eat food at all. And I was also like, this was during my bad times, my hard times. They, my boss now gets me a plate of food and tells me to go eat. Like, you oh, know what wow. I mean? Like it's just still- <laughs> small, tiny changes. It's small, little changes. My, my boss will go grab me a fork. The, the owner of the restaurant goes, gets me a, like a plate of food or like utensils and stuff. And the, it's these small victories that you have to celebrate. You know, someone is, mm-hmm. is, is depriving you from food, which is a survival mechanism. And another person mm-hmm. is putting plate on, on the, ta- uh, putting food on the table for you to serve, to eat and, and stay well. And these people take care of you. The, the girls that I bartend with are so kind and loving and they're not catty. They're not jealous. They're not like, mm-hmm. Oh, who's this new, new bitch coming in here? You know, they're all welcoming <laughs> and loving and respectful full and and i'm like wow i don't i don't even it's just even just being at a different bar with a different environment no one's pressuring me to drink when they're like oh i'm gonna buy you a shot i'm like oh i don't drink they're like oh good for you oh wow you know they're not like oh you know, come wow. on have one just have one what's one gonna that's not no. common in connecticut <laughs> no like, <laughs> funny they're like what you don't drink there's something wrong yes yes and uh, yeah. I think it's a very inquired state. I love this state. It's the people <laughs> that are that make it a little um, 
uh, Connecticut's very, it was very toxic for me. You know, I had really horrible mm. relationships with really horrible uh, people and, and not just like, not like, not just relationships in general with friends and people. And it just, it was just a very mm. toxic place. And I, I really, I, I, I felt caged in, you know, I felt like a, I felt like my wings were just growing and I was just evolving and growing. And I, I felt like I couldn't do it in this tiny little space. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I had to go and I had to spread my wings and I drove across country. I went to Arizona. I went to South Carolina, to Tennessee, New Mexico. I went to so many places. I got to see so many things. And mm-hmm. uh, I encourage everyone to do a road trip. I think it's a, it's really my eye opening. You get to see more of it is amazing connecticut you know yeah it is amazing yeah i agree like road trips and especially when you're with someone that like you click with you just have it so much fun and even if you just you know go because like i don't drive but i used to take the train and go anywhere by myself and have a blast i'll go to rhode island (laughs) yeah like i'll go to boston i'll go anywhere and people will be hitting me up like jamar well, let me talk to you. Don't respond to any of them. Turn off my phone. Go to and go to all these things and just come back and be like so refreshed. <laughs> How many people do you know that can do that? Not really. And I definitely feel like I am so uh blessed for that because I don't have no kids and I feel but like you, I would have been do that. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm I'm so happy that I don't have children. You know, once upon a time, I was like, oh, I really want, I really want to sky. I really, <laughs> I really wish that. Like, but now I'm like, I'm I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful that I don't have children, especially with all the people that I I have gotten to know in my life. I'm like, these are horrible, horrible men, and and God bless them mm. all. God, the higher power bless everyone. You know, they're just really bad people and i'm glad that i didn't have like immediate attachments to anyone but there are a lot of people that can't even do a regular road trip no one can actually sit still with themselves for a long time most people i shouldn't say no one most people Mm -hmm. have a hard time you know being with themselves yeah i mean this is why things like solitary confinement is like considered torture because it's just so unnatural (laughs) it's It's true It's true. Uh, if someone put me in solitary confinement, I would be so excited. <laughs> amazing. I, I wish I had more time alone, you know? I'm always <clears throat> behind the bar making drinks or hanging out with people. Or I'm, I'm calling my, you know, now that I'm away from my parents, I'm on the phone with them a lot and my family. Mm. I have, I'm really close to my family. I, I love mm. them. They're amazing human beings. They've helped me so much in my life they supported me so much but like i really have a hard time being alone you know like not because i i can't because i don't have the time the only time Mm -hmm. i'm alone is when i'm like about to go to bed you know and i shut my i I, like i'll scroll through social media whatever i'll give myself like 20 minutes i'm off Mm -hmm. i'm out i turn it off and i just like i'm like oh i'm finally alone and then i just fall asleep and i'm like damn i didn't really get to enjoy that you know so I've made it a point, like, if I go get coffee or have dinner, I've made it a point to just, like, leave my phone behind. Oh, oh, really? You know, my my girlfriend does that. It's really healthy. It's really, really... I think that's my addiction, the phone. It's it's a lot <laughs> of people's addictions. It, I have my addiction days, too. I, I sometimes have to take, like, 
I force myself to take like a week off of um, Instagram or like Facebook mm-hmm. or something. If you, you know, you follow me on Instagram, um, I post something. I, my like little story is always lit. I should make my bio always lit because my story is always like I, I'm always posting something. But it's really mm-hmm. important information. It's really yeah. um, funny stuff. I don't just post like selfies all the time. Like, oh, look at mm-hmm. me. You know? I actually post things that are important about um, evolvement, about sobriety. I talk a lot about that, um, mm-hmm. about yeah. what I've done, what steps I've taken. I've done a few like blogs, I guess. And a lot of people have reached out, you know, like. A lot of people ask for help or ask for guidance or what has worked. Mm-hmm. So I am making um, some kind of, I, I want people to know that it's not always, you see people always posting drinking, you know, those boomerangs of taking shots and stuff. Mm-hmm. I try to switch it up. I post uh, boomerangs of drinking water and uh, I want people to know that there's more to life, especially younger people. It's not always about partying and drinking and drugs right. and smoking weed and uh, being like having the latest uh, Gucci and, and Prada and I don't Chanel, mm-hmm. whatever it's life is not about. Those are egotistical fixations. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a whole different world, you know? And like, I would say for, for me, like I felt like when I was younger, I had to do those things, but thank God didn't get addicted to it. Cause I don't tell it what would I be now, but like it's just it's it's a totally different world when you start seeing things from a different perspective instead of like worrying about like if what's popular and stuff like that it's 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 more healing just being your own and it's so important it is it is so kudos to you for going out on on the train and just taking a road to whatever kudos to your girlfriend for being able to put her phone away and spend some time (laughs) alone you know i You know, there was a, when COVID happened, there's this really famous quote that went around that said, if you can't go out, go in. Mm. And it really spoke to me, you know, it really spoke to me. I was like, wow, the birds are having a moment. Do you hear them? Yeah, I hear them. What are those? All gathered, screaming at each other. Um, But that really spoke to me. And I was like, wow, it's so simple so easy you know and you can't go out go in spend some time alone spend some time with yourself this is a great time to deal with your traumas you know right. read some self-help books i know that a lot of people went through depression and mm-hmm. um suicide and you know really Domestic sad violence right. those children those children that when that that went to school and the school was your only you know fun time or the only time to get away from their um, you know, their abusive family members or parents and stuff. And um, COVID really, really messed a lot of families up. It was a blessing for me. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. I, I had a great time being in quarantine. I had just moved back home with my family. Uh, I mm-hmm. love, I, I'm so close to my mother and father. So I spent a lot of time with them. I was able to see them not through a glass, not through the, you know, not from like 10 feet away. I was able to be with them all the time. And um it was a blessing for me. I really enjoyed, you know, being quarantined, not working and not being around people. Mm-hmm. And I, I had gotten sober like seven months prior. So nice. it, was, it was perfect. It was perfect. It worked out nice. really well for me. Are, are you uh, so about your family and your background? Are you are you middle, are you Middle Eastern? I'm not. I'm uh, people will argue that like Afghan, uh, I'm from Afghanistan. People will argue that Afghanistan is in the Middle East. It's not. It's oh. technically 
in Central Asia, uh, which people will argue, well, that's where the Middle East is located too. I'm not Middle Eastern. I'm not Arabic. I don't speak Arabic. Um, I don't Mm -hmm. follow the Arabic culture. Um, It's similar to the Afghan culture, um, Mm -hmm. but I am from Afghanistan. I speak Farsi. If anything, I'm considered Persian. Um, Mm -hmm. I speak Farsi. I've heard heard about that Farsi, yeah. Yeah, I'm fluent in Farsi. Um, uh, My mother and father are from Afghanistan. I was born in Czech Republic and raised in Germany, so I'm not even technically Afghan. I'm I'm technically European, Um, so Mm -hmm. I'm a European Afghan American. Mm-hmm. Um, Europe was First really. Generation? First um, no, generation? I'm American? not even born here. I have oh, I, yes, I, my my children. <laughs> no, there's a stupid <laughs> question. I think to be a first generation, you have to be born. Right. I don't think citizenship actually counts. Um, mm-hmm. So my, ch- if I ever decide to have a child in this world, it, they would be first citizen, first generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Like J. Cole was born in Germany. I just found that out. I was like J. Cole? Yeah. <laughs> Cause his father was in the military. Wow. And he met a German girl. And yep, he was born in Germany. <laughs> so strange. What what a what a ironic what a weird oh my god, that crow just attacked the seagull. <laughs> oh nature. Do you see that crow? Yeah. Walking on the ground. Attacked a seagull. Oh snap! Isn't seagulls bigger than crows? Huh? Aren't seagulls bigger than crows? They are, but they're beefing, man. Look, look. There's a seagull. They're beefing. I don't know what it's about. I think it's about food. (laughs) I'm just like, I just got out of work, so I'm parked behind where all the dumpsters are. You know, I like trash. We gotta do this again. Because now I'm getting drowsy. But yeah, that, this, so let's tired, do this again. Man. Yeah, we should do this again. We'll we'll do the meet and greet. Maybe me, you, yeah. and um, Jacob will talk beforehand. But we should definitely do this again. Yeah. And we'll talk more about sobriety or whatever, you know? The yeah. In the universe and whatever. It's endless. We can talk about That's endless. That's why I love having this podcast. Because it's like, whatever. Well, thank you whatever. for having me on your show. This is my first podcast. I'm super stoked oh, really? out at. Oh, that's right. You said that. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, congratulations. How, it wasn't that bad, right? <laughs> no, it felt really natural. It's probably helpful that I don't get to see anyone that's staring at me. Um, yeah. So that makes it easy. But it's just, I just see you. It's like it's like having, you know, a conversation, like, yes. across the table. You know, it's it's nice. Definitely. You're a friend of the show. You're definitely Thank gonna you. get you back on here. Thank uh, you, Jamar. So, uh, Saba, right? Huh? Saba, right? Saba. Close. Saba. Jesus. I said Very Saba. simple. You're adding a lot of I have to pronounce the H. A foreign to it. I'm not that foreign. You're adding a lot of emphasis. Saba, like the car sob. Saba. Yes. Like the car sob. Remember the sob? Okay. I don't think they make them anymore, so. I am so sorry. I it's apologize. A, it's okay. I'm gonna and next time though, you gotta get it right. Yes. Oh yeah, I got you, Saba. Saba. Yeah, yes, Saba. Okay, Jamar. Thank you so much. <laughs> Pleasure. Yes, you have a good day. Thank you. You too. Enjoy your evening. Yeah, I'll I'll try. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.